Thank you for downloading this weekend sermon from Bangalore Revival Center. Our desire is to see you grow in your love and pursuit of God, causing you to become a channel of His love and grace to the people around you. Now let's listen to the Word of God. Greetings to everyone. Very good evening. All right, check. Ah, this sounds good. All right, so um, welcome everyone for um, the Saturday celebration service. You know, one quick thing that I noticed the moment I entered was there was two different cameras which was pointing it out, like two different angles. Shalom, we can quickly toggle, toggle it and show it how does it looks, maybe before people online, you know. So it, it's a new upgrade. It's a new upgrade. So if I'm talking here, it's a different screen. If I'm talking there, that's a different screen. So, you know, give it a big round of applause for the entire workforce team that they, they come up with this uh, innovative ideas. I'm sure uh, Pastor Robin has a lot of insight on this. Uh, you know, he's a tech guy of our whole team. So, uh, thank you team for setting this up. Uh, and I also see an upgrade in the keyboards. Sefe was playing two keyboards at once. I don't know how he does it. I don't understand a single keyboard. So, but that's good. Praise God. Uh, God is doing amazing things. You know, he has put in, uh, in this season where we are upgrading, where we are growing, uh, you know, in, in his wisdom and in his, in his knowledge, which is good, which is, which is necessary. And, uh, you know, I believe this is a beginning. I believe this is a start that, uh, you know, we are stepping into to a next season altogether. So uh, I'm glad that we are here tonight. Uh, like Saturdays, we could be anywhere, right? We could be lazing around, we could be just uh, catching up one of the cricket matches that's happening. But I'm glad that, you know, we have uh, some count which has come up to listen to the sermon. Uh, well, this was not scheduled. This sermon was not scheduled, but uh, due to some uh, technical issues with the other videos which were supposed to come, you know, I would chip in and I would continue to, uh, you know, take you through the finance God's Way series, you know, as uh, Penna's uh, summarized, so far we have completed three sermons, you know, and this is going to be the fourth one. You know, we spoke about God is the only source for our finance. Now, finance is a very huge concept, very huge topic. Uh, you know, if you really think it's your job that provides your finance, if you think if it's a business that provides you finance or money, let me tell you that is wrong. It's God who gives you that opportunity to step into those ventures or, 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 or jobs and get or earn money out of it. So that's one thing that we learned. Uh, second thing, of course, we learned was we need to work hard. Nothing comes for free. You know, nothing comes for uh, free. If we, we, if we need to, uh, you know, have a better stronghold on our finance, we need to work hard, which means we have to work strategically and work smart in order to better our finances. Um, last week, we also learned how important, no, last week was actually the start, basically. Earlier two sermons was more like an introduction to the whole series. Uh, in fact, not last week, last month, we learned the importance of budgeting, right? Prior to that, we also set few goals and everything like, what is your financial goal for the specific year? And I mentioned that this month onwards, June onwards, it is our responsibility that we should have a budget in place. 
I'm sure a lot of us are doing it, but I also mentioned that, you know, we need to strategically prepare a budget, thinking all the aspect which is there, you know, your income, your expenses, and how much we can spend, how much we can give, all those things. I'm sure you would have created a budget. If not, there's still a lot of time, you know, there's, this is only the eighth day of the month. We still have good 20, 22 days yet to go to finish this month. So what I want you guys is to prepare a budget. A budget has to include every aspect of your finance, you know, which means you should factor in the utilities, which means you should factor in the tithing, which is very important, which should factor in the offering part of it, which should also factor in the expenses that one might require in the household for that specific month, right? So like always, like I'm gonna take two minutes and pray over this aspect of your life and my life. You know, it's very necessary that whatever we learn, whatever we prepare, give it to God. You know, we don't prepare it in our own uh, understanding. The understanding is given by God, you know, through a scripture. So let's take two minutes, not more than two minutes. I want you to close your eyes. Even if you have not prepared a budget, people watching online, you know, think about it. You know, what is the whole month looking like from a finance point of view? You know, what are the incomes that you see? What are the expenses that you see, foresee? And let's dedicate this budget, you know, whatever form of budget that you have made to God. Give it to Him right now and let's pray over it, believing that, you know, God, we submit this into your hand. We pray and we cover every single aspect that is connected to it. You know, we pray that all the plans that we have made, you know, let it, let, let it, let it fulfill God. Let it, let, it see, let it see if it's as per your will, Daddy. You know, if there is any expenses, Larry, we, we might not have a clear answer at this stage, but we believe you are releasing an abundance over our life, over our families, over our, over our churches, that we would have enough of finances by the end of the month that we would be in a position to lend it to someone else. You know, we don't need, we, we won't be in a position to borrow money, but we would be in a position to help someone else who is in necessity, who is in requirement, Lord. Thank you, Daddy, once again for uh, giving us this idea, giving us this thought process that we need to have a perfect plan when we, when we look from a finance point of view. We dedicate all our plans, all our budgets into your hand, Daddy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I, I want to just, uh, you know, confess, uh, as a pastor, you know, you, you have to have a, a constant, you know, download from God, you know, that, uh, that helps you to share it, you know, that helps you to give it to, uh, you know, people who come to receive. And whole of this year, to be honest, I'm just getting download about finances. And I mean, I don't know why, but every single time when I go back to God and I ask something, God opens up something different, which is directly or indirectly connected to finance. You know, this, 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 is, what hap this is what happened for a, quite a few weeks. And then, you know, I had a discussion with Pastor Prajina and I said that, you know, I have this burden of uh, discussing finance within our church because I see... Uh, you know, as a pa pastor, it's my responsibility that whatever I get as a download, that 
everybody who comes into the church should also have an opportunity to learn from it, opportunity to understand from it. So uh, I know there are a lot of studies that we do every single week. Uh, you know, maybe it's Sunday, maybe it's anchor group, maybe it is overflow. But every single time when I sit for those studies, I only hear about finance. I don't know. It's, it's just, just like I'm in a position that I am so much of download that I, I can actually, you know, probably write a book. I mean, I'm, I'm true. I'm, 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 just saying, I'm just saying it by faith because uh, you have no idea. Like me and Penal, we, we've been talking only finance. We've been talking only finance. And every single time when we, when we speak, there is a new revelation that comes in. And, and, and trust me, it has given us a great opportunity not just to structure the financial life that we are leading but also you know anyone who is there to you know who wants guidance who wants an understanding it so I, I'll really encourage um, you know the points that we're going to discuss are more practical you know so don't take it as a sermon as I say in all this finance series it's more about practical things that we can apply See, I can come here and I can tell you that God wants you to be rich. And I can leave it there because that is what God says in the Bible. But if I don't tell you how to do that practically, it's incomplete. So we're going to see few practical aspects again from a finance point of view. right? So the, the, the topic that we are trying to learn this day or today is about living debt or debt. Okay, debt. It's not debt, okay? My wife corrected me before I came here. It's debt, okay? The B is silent. English is a funny language, isn't it? I don't know why they have silence in between. It's debt, debt-free. Why we need to have a, a debt-free life? Now, now, everyone experiences a phase, you know, wherein there are in a situation wherein they would end up in debt in some way or the other. What we're going to understand is what is Bible talking about this whole aspect and how can we plan, you know, how can we plan to have a life or have a time wherein we can be totally debt free. Now, it would be again further, you know, divided into, uh, you know, two parts, which I'll take you through. But you might be thinking, okay, I'm a student. I don't have a debt. Or, you know, maybe if you don't really have a debt, it's still good for you to understand. Why? Because these are some things that we can learn right now and probably at a later stage can be helpful or will be helpful to apply it practically. Right? So irrespective of anyone who is in debt or not in debt this is something that we need to learn we need to understand what bible says because the sermon title is god's uh, finance god's way what does god want us to learn out of it okay we'll quickly go to the slides the we're going to read out of uh, uh, deuteronomy uh, chapter 15 verse in fact we're going to read the entire chapter at one go okay because this whole chapter basically explains what is God wanting us to do when it comes to the whole debts debt scenario can we all read it together yes no okay uh, it might take around five minutes so let's see 
Okay, let's start it. One, two, three. At the end of every seventh year, you must cancel the debt of everyone who owes you money. This is how it must be done. Everyone must cancel the loans they have made to their fellow Israelites. They must not demand payments from their neighbors or relatives for the Lord's time of release has arrived. The release from debt, however, applies only for your fellow Israelites, not to the foreigners living among you. Next. There should be no poor among you, for Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land. He is giving you a special possession. You will receive this blessing if you are careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. The Lord your God will bless you as he, was, as he has promised. You will lend money to many nations but will never need to borrow. You will rule many nations but they will not rule over you. But if there are any poor Israelites in your town, you will arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Instead, become generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not to be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year of cancelling debt is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you would be considered guilty of sin. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will be always someone in the land who are poor. That is why I am commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. Amen. Now the whole chapter basically factors in that a person who has borrowed money from someone else, you know, becomes a debtor. And of course, there's another side who have given the loan. The loan should be ideally cancelled by, what does it say, which year? Seventh year. You know, the number seven has a very significant, uh, you know, importance in Bible. Seventh year is, is actually considered as a, as a new year. You know, it is a, it's a year to start, you know, beginning. So it basically clarifies that anyone who has been in debt and who's not in a position to pay off the debt for last seven years, on the seventh year, it should be ideally cancelled. Now, if I tell you the whole crux of the chapter, what God's heart is, God wants us to be debt-free, in simple words. And this is an instruction which, is, which God is directly giving to the person who have lent the money. Right? So he is saying, if you see a person who owes you money and is not in a position, let go his debt on seventh year. Now, saying that I'm sure credit card companies don't follow this. You know, they don't have a principle which says, okay, brother, seven years done, you're out. No, it doesn't say that. But it clearly shows the heart that God portrays saying that he wants his children to be debt free completely. He says not, you know, just don't release 50% and keep 50%, no. He says release him from the whole debt. 
which means he wants us to be debt free throughout our life now the another point is if he is giving instruction to the other side who had lent the money logically technically he would have given instruction to the people who have borrowed the money also yes no now for that to understand we also need to understand why people get into something called as a debt situation there could be emergencies there could be troubles there could be problems there could be situations that would have led that person to probably borrow money from someone else for that specific purpose come on nobody takes debt for you know just just to have fun you know if he is doing that or if she is doing that if anyone is doing that they need serious prayer come on practically if he is a rational person he won't take money as a loan just to have fun practically if it's a rational person it has to be a situation wherein something has gone wrong you know there is an emergency uh, you know maybe the job is not there or maybe there is a uh, there is a you know some some sudden scenario that would have led that person in a situation to take the money from the other side but at the same time god also gives an instruction to the people who take or borrow money it's it says like this go to the next slides penas go to the next slide okay ants they aren't strong but they store up food all summer come on what does that says ants they aren't strong but they store up food all summer how how big is a hand it's probably one of the smallest uh, i don't know if, yeah it's an insect right it comes in the insect it's a smallest insect that you can see now ants has a culture or a methodology of storing up food you know in and and for all the summer because they know for the fact that in winter they cannot go and find any food because the situations would be tough the situations would be not in their favor so they need to plan in advance for the summer that is coming up amen amen now can put 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 ants in the scenario and say that if they didn't save the food enough for the summer or other uh, the winter that is coming up when it is winter what do you think how would they survive technically there is no way there is no way that ant can go to a, a credit card company and and then probably get a little over overdraft money and then swipe the card and get the food from the supermarket no that is not technically possible but since they they come under a structure where they have to work hard to avoid any unforeseen situation that can happen in future so the idea of god here to tell us with an example of an ant is simple you need to plan things in better we need to have a proper idea where we are actually heading in you know how can things really work out how can things really turn upside down you know how can things uh, you know really mess up saying one fine day um, you know there is no money left and and then you search for option or opportunity to get some stuff no that is not the way god is trying to emphasize that we need to have a clear idea 
with a plan where we are going in front or where we are headed with this year, with this month or with this season. See, anything which doesn't have a, a, a thought process or an idea will never succeed. You know, in a similar context, like every year at the beginning of the year, um, you know, as a church, we receive a word from God. And the whole year, we dwell on that word, believing and accepting that that favor of the God that was there on the start of the year would overflow in each one of our life. Now, can I just go blamelessly without aiming anything? I would end up nowhere. So God wants us to have a structure when it specifically comes from a financial life point of view. We cannot think for the fact we will see it, how it will happen. You know, we will, we will wait and watch how things would turn up. If that's the attitude, you know, let me tell you or let me warn you, that's not probably the right way to look at finances because God wants us to have, sorry, wants us to have a clear structure starting right now. Amen. Amen. Like as I said, what are the reasons that a person might end up in debt? Primarily, these are the things, you know, there is an emergency. Like I know one of my friends, uh, I think I shared this example even the last time. Uh, his dad, you know, he, he got a stroke all of a sudden and he's perfectly healthy all this while. And one fine day we get to know that he is admitted. He got a heart attack. Now, they don't come up from a very wealthy family to afford, uh, you know, like a, like a ready cash solution for any operation. But luckily, his dad had planned well in advance of taking something like an insurance. Now, that insurance served the purpose for that operation. And that operation costed like good four, five lakhs. And he had a cover of close to 20 lakhs rupees. Now, what did that uncle did? You know, I was just thinking about this. He didn't really foresee, or rather he didn't really expect, okay, I would have a heart attack on so-and-so day, or rather on so-and-so month. But he was trying to minimize his risk, or in other words, we call it as, he was trying to hedge his risk by just opting something like a insurance. Are we understanding? Now, think about the same scenario if that uncle didn't have an insurance, he would have to live a life for the rest of his life under a huge debt. You know, not just for him, but for his whole family, it would have been a struggle, right? So it, it, it shows up, it shows up God's intention is that we need to be careful when we move ahead. We need to be moving ahead with a perfect plan you know, that might not be really perfect, but at least a plan to support on or to hang on really. Amen. So, so what are the practical things that we're going to discuss today is, can we go to the next slide? Right. So some of the points, you can actually put up all the points. These are, these are a few points that, uh, you know, when I was reading a, a particular a blog and I came across and, and it clearly explained, uh, you know, the different forms or rather the different implication that debt brings in our life. You know, if we live, if we live our life under the whole pressure of debt, you know, the first one says, 
Debt is a form of slavery. Now, what do you exactly mean by slavery? Which means, um, you know, someone is under the control of uh, authority or a person or an institution. That's the basic idea of a slave. Now, debt actually puts us in a similar situation. Primarily, wherein we live in a world wherein it is driven with all of the EMI payments or all of the credit cards. To an extent that uh, America is one of the country which lives almost 80% of the whole population lives under the credit. You know, that's a figure that I got. Uh, it's similar, is, is, is I understand from our country also, I, although I don't have the exact figure, but I'm assuming with the lifestyle that we live here, it's gonna be pretty much similar. Now, what does that do technically to us? We become slaves to this companies. We become slaves to this organization, which is pushing us more towards taking more debt, you know, more debt, and getting more stuff, more stuff, eventually breaking our whole system. There are studies which says debt is one of the primary reasons for maximum amount of divorces in developing countries. Now, that's that's scary place to be in. You know, like, you, you know, you, you, you get married to a person and then at some point of stage of your life, that, that's when you realize, okay, this is no longer working because this person is totally covered under debt and the person's life is already gone. I don't want to be in and I'll go, come out of it. That's been the trend. That is the trend. So it is having a drastic impact on our life. So we'll see how can we avoid debt, but I just want to uh, you know, put certain emphasis what debt can actually do in your and my life. The second point, it says, debt prevents rest. God declared a specific date. He anointed saying that you have to take rest on that day. You know, we call it as the Sabbath day. Which means God has ordained us saying that you work for this many days and you have to rest on this day. But if a person is under tremendous debt, let me tell you, he won't be in a position to actually be in a restful mind. He would be always running around, expecting new opportunities, finding new ways, working extra jobs, working, you know, odd hours just to make sure he's out of that. Because to be under that position is a very pressurized place. So yes, it takes off the peace, you know, that we, uh, you know, carry in our life. The third point is, that is a metaphor for sin. What is, what is, uh, what do we, what do we, uh, you know, recite every Sunday? The starting prayer when Pastor Priji starts uh, the prevailing prayer series. God's prayer, what is God's prayer? Come on. Okay. Our Father is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, to our, give, a, give, give us the daily bread and forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. Now sin, in, in some, some uh, translation it is also called as debt or as we, for, uh, as we forgive other debtors. You know, the sin concept is equivalent 
I mean the debt concept is equivalent to the sin which God is trying to explain through God's uh, prayer itself. So debt, technically, you know, if we enormously take debt, I can understand there are a lot of exceptions which can come in with the time that we live in. But, um, you know, if we enormously add a lot of debt on our families or on our daily needs, it is sin in the eyes of God. Right now, I understand again the fact that, you know, let's say we are not in a position to buy a house by paying 80 lakh rupees at one go. That is technically not possible in this age. So, you know, one might go into something called as a mortgage, wherein you get housing loan and then you buy the houses. Uh, those are systematically done, but anything which really burdens one's position, daily ideology, is a clear no. You know, debt is clear no for it. Debt compromises your ability to provide. Very important. What did the earlier words that we read? God wants us to be in a position there wherein we would lend someone. We would provide someone. Not just a person, but to nations and nations and nations. Now, to be honest, if I have to provide, I need to have sufficient. I need to be in a position to give to someone else. Or is what happened? Every time I'm led to give or I want to give, I have to take a pinch. Okay, I have to struggle and I want to give someone. That is not really possible. So it also actually deviates from God's principle. You know, God doesn't really want us to hold everything, but he wants us to provide the abundance that God has given to us. That is the whole ideology. Now, there are many more points that we can add, although I didn't mention everything there. Uh, another thing that we can think about is uh, uh, debt, con debt con compromises your ability to be generous. Probably you can connect that with the earlier point again. So there are many such things. I can probably share this, uh, uh, the blog that, that I came across. Probably you can go through it and read through the entire uh, in a block with the verses and everything. But I just wanted to emphasize how important is for us to not be in that position or on the pressure wherein death is trying to push us down. Amen. Now, we're going to focus on two aspects today. One is the emergencies part. As I said, emergencies are the reason that we basically go into a debt. So uh, we can think about a concept, something called as emergency fund or emergency money that one needs to allocate for our emergencies, of course. Now, you might again say, brother, I don't have money, first of all, to do my daily needs. How are you expecting me to do an emergency fund? Quite a valid question. But it's not something that we can do it in a day or a week or a month. It's a natural process that we have to build over the months in the year. You know, it, of course, nothing can be just created all of a sudden. It has to be in a process. Even to an extent, like the earlier words that we read, the ants who work every day, they don't get the whole supply for the upcoming winter in one day, but they work the whole summer 
to accumulate so much of food that that can last for the entire winters. And similar principle applies for you and me when we are specifically thinking from an emergency fund point of view. All right. Now, something that we can do is what is the percentage that is allocated for our tithing? As per Bible, of course, 10%, right? Now, 10% is what we are ideally supposed to give over and above. It's, it's totally, you know, something that is appreciated and, and people do do that. Uh, but from an emergency fund point of view, the ideal figure that studies suggest that one should have a minimum of 10% of the monthly income that they should keep as an emergency fund. Okay, um, can I get the board? Can I get the board? Okay, think about this, 10%. We'll take an example. Uh, let's say if a person earns or a lakh rupees in a month, what is the 10% of one lakh? 10,000. Now, 10,000 is not for the entire year, but for that specific month. So, a bare minimum of 10,000 as per the 10% should be available in your bank only for, only for emergencies. Which means, the 10,000 should not be touched in any scenario apart from emergencies. This has to be a practice, this has to be an ideology that we need to carry, even if you're an individual, even if you're a family, even if you're a, a student, you know, if you have a, some sense of income coming in, that needs to be saved in your respective accounts, and preferably an account which you don't, do, don't use it every day. Or else, one KFC, thousand rupees gone. Like, 10% of whole 10,000 10, is gone, right? So it should be an account which you don't really access at every given point in time. Okay, uh, thanks, Efe. Can you also get me a marker? Okay, now this example that I gave you was a generic example. Now, it depends on family to family, person to person, individual to individual, and the situation that one is in, okay? The example, I'll probably uh, put it up on the board. All right, so a person's monthly income is one lakh, okay? Which means, a person should ideally have something like a 10% which is 10,000 throughout the year. I'm not saying add 10,000 every month, but from Jan to December, in any case, there should be 10,000 rupees in the account by default. Now, as I said, this money is for emergency, which means we don't really touch it for a daily usage. Now take a scenario, somewhere in the month of June, which is the sixth month, 
there was an emergency, right? That's the only time we will touch this money. And take an example that you used 8,000 for that emergency. Now, if you use 8,000, how much is left in your fund again? 2,000, which means your target now should be get to get back to 10,000 in next coming six months. You have to replenish the whole of money back to 10,000. Again, how do we do it? We have to do it in small pieces. As I said, if you ask me put 10,000 this month, all of a sudden might be a tricky situation. But can I contribute 1,000 rupees every month? Practically thinking? I mean, see, everybody would be in a different scenario, but I'm asking practically, can I contribute uh, 1,000 instead of 10,000 every month? Possible. Okay, not 1,000, but 500 every month? Practically? Come on, one, one visit to Domino's is 800 rupees. Come on. If I can contribute at least 500 every month, by the end of the year, I have saved 6,000 rupees, which is a lot of money, which is a lot of money. If you can increase by 50 more rupees, which is 550, what is the total count? By the end, my maths is bad. 9,000? Come on. Nobody knows maths? 550 multiplied by 12 months is? 550 multiplied by 12. 6,000? Something? 6,600. Can you see a shift from 6,000 to 6,600? At least 600 rupees got, it, got added. As I said, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in one single day. But over a period of a month, or rather many months, I can save 10,000 rupees, which can act as my emergency. Now this 10% again gets factored depending on your situation, your family condition, your, your income, your expense, and the uh, you know, things that you are involved in. Let's take an example. Um, you know, for, for, for example, if, if I work in a scenario where there's a lot of risk, I might have to increase the risk factor here, not 10%, but might have to contribute 15%. Now, again, that depends from the number of income which is there in the family. If I'm the only sole uh, you know, income gainer person or earner person, I have to probably increase it again because the risk is not just for me, but the people who are dependent on me again. Amen. So in order to conclude or in order to come to a conclusion whether it should be 10% or not, there is, a, there is a thing that we can do or an activity we can do is go back and check last six months how many emergencies happened or rather how many times there was an emergency situation. Maybe you got hospitalized, that is an emergency or maybe there was an unwanted expenses that came in, that is an emergency. So what we can do is analyze last six months expenses, which was more like an emergency. Not the daily expenses or monthly expenses, but something which was not planned or something which was not expected all of a sudden came in. 
which will also help you to determine whether this should be 10 percent or not. But the ideal figure to always go with is your monthly incomes, 10 percent should be always there in your bank account to be called as an emergency fund. Are we understanding it? Yes, no. Another important thing this helps is it, it, it helps us to avoid credit usage when we have an emergency fund. Did you understand? Everybody has a credit card which we generally swipe. We, we don't really think it's an emergency, let's swipe it. But if we have a fund readily available, it will help us not swiping that card. What is the benefit? Taking credit comes with own expense. Credit, can, credit cards can charge you as big as 30% rate of interest per annum, you know, which is a big money put together. But just imagine if we can avoid that 30% by just utilizing our emergency fund, we are in way better position. Are we understanding yes, no? Okay. Another point is we need to keep refilling it whenever we use it. It's not like we use it today, and we forget it, oh, there was an emergency this month, we did it. Okay, now forget it, there's no emergency that's going to come up. You never know. So whenever we utilize this money out of emergency fund, we have to refill it to the extent of what is the 10% or whatever person that you as a family, that you as an individual comes to a conclusion. All right? Okay. Other aspect of considering emergency fund is to factor out all the utilities and necessities. Now I cannot say that I will not eat this month but I'll make emergency fund. Can I say that? Can I do that? I, I'll say okay, you know, this month you know what I'm going to sacrifice two meals so that I'll create an emergency fund. That is not possible. That is technically not possible. So whenever we factor in, we need to consider that aspect as well. How much is the budgeting takes in? That's what I said. Every month we have to do the budgeting aspect, which will give us a clear idea how much is income, how much is expense, and in the expenses, what are the percentage which is allocated for your budget, like your your utilities, your necessities, and your offerings and ties and everything. And then you have a factor which says, this is my emergency fund. It, okay, you might think, I cannot even think about 10%. It's perfectly fine. But can I think 1%? Can I think 1%? Can I think 0.5%? That's to begin with. Because a whole lot of a time, we would be in a position where we would make plans and plans and plans but we will never come to a conclusion. It's about starting small. It's about starting small and eventually going up. You know, it, it happens, right? You know, whole of the year you think that this is one thing that I have to do. This is one thing that I have to get started, but you never get started. But, you know, something we spoke about last time, taking a baby step. What is a baby step? How does a baby walk? They walk slow, and take small steps. If I can take a small step, pretty sure over the years, this would be a great help for us. Amen? Amen? Now there are stories, there are examples, there are testimonies wherein people who were bankrupt, who were broke, 
started this methodology and they ended up becoming millionaires and, and, and big, you know, wealthy people or rich people, right? So I'll reiterate, we're not trying to learn how to be rich here. We are trying to understand, you know, what God wants us when it comes to debt. And that is, we, God doesn't like we to be in any under, under the pressure of debt. So what we are trying to do is, how can we remove the debt side of the finance in our personal financing? Are we clear so far? Any doubts? Pretty cool? Okay, let's go to the next part, which is getting the debt cleared off. Everybody would have some figure, I'm assuming. If not, praise God. Uh, don't even go towards debt. But if we have debt, the best way of getting out of it is first of all, to learn and understand how much are you in debt. Which most of us again don't do. Which means we should have a clear picture or a clear data which says that this is the header, this is the amount, and this is the total. Okay, how many of you can, um, you know, really think about this picture in your head right now, that you have a clear data? Can you raise your hands? Can you raise your hand? How many of you think that you have a clear idea of what I just said, of how, what is your total debt? If you have, very good. Now what you have to do is, if you don't have, okay, by the way, people who don't have, the first thing is take a piece of paper, write two things. Okay, probably I can show that. Let's say this is the header. Uh, let's say I would say credit card one, credit card two, or if you have n number of credit card. By the way, it's not good to have credit card. Uh, let's say loan, uh, let's say some uh, uh, maybe loan that is taken from a friend, so-and-so, so-and-so, or probably you can think about mortgage. You know, mortgage will keep it over the last because that's generally the biggest value. So let's list it down. Okay, I'll probably give you a random figure here. So credit card one, uh, probably, you know, one has to pay... Uh, 10,000 rupees, two is 50,000 rupees. Uh, the loan which I, the person has taken is somewhere around three lakhs. Okay, the loan to a friend is probably just a thousand and the mortgage can be, I will keep the mortgage out. So what I've done here is, any individual what we can do is just list down the headers and list down the value. Of course, you get a total. Pretty, pretty doable, yes, no? Now, this study, which again uh, basically says that we can target the lowest value starting first. You know, the, the methodology is called as snowball effect. Have you heard about snowball? Not a very popular thing in India, but uh, you know, snowball or rather uh, snow, if you make a ball of a snow and roll it from the top of the hill, by the time it reaches at the ground, it would have become a big ball. You know, because on the way, it accumulates more snow. It adds more snow and becomes a big ball of a snow. So the ideology is to put it in a factor which is the lowest. 
So in this example, for me, this is the lowest, the thousand rupees loan that I've taken from someone else. Then this becomes the lowest. Then this becomes the lowest and this is the probably the highest of all. So what my target should be is to knock off this loan first. Okay, why? Why do you think that I should do 1,000 first? That's the least. That's the easy one. Yes. See, there is a, there is a psychological effect that runs behind. As soon as you get off the debt, okay, I'm done. I'm done. A lot of times we, you know, we always are concerned with the bigger loans. We always think, okay, that big loan is, a, is like a thorn in my flesh. Yes, it is. But let's target to take off the smallest loan as much as possible because it makes you believe that it is doable. Okay, one more thing that we need to remember here is when you prepare the budget, when you do this snowball effect methodology, when you have knocked off this loan, you don't take that money and use it for your benefit or use it for your leisure, but you would keep that money and add it up to pay the next loan. Are you guys getting it, what I'm trying to say? So for example, this month, maybe I cannot pay the whole of, uh, you know, whole of uh, the figures which is there, but I can definitely knock off 1,000. And I'm supposed to pay this loan every month 10,000. But if I can add this 1,000 in that, because this is taken off the chart, don't you think this goes in a faster pace? Forget about this, but let's say this. Something that was achievable in 10 months, I can reduce the frequency. Now imagine you have taken off 10,000. What would your next target would be to close off this loan by adding the next 10,000 plus the 1,000. So don't you think this would be paid off more faster? more uh, in a more easier manner again i'm not i'm not saying it is always possible there can be factors there can be situation but can this be a plan which can help you to target smallest finish it off and then focus on the largest at least from that standpoint right try it off you know, something which has really uh, worked uh, as far as the statistics says and, and it is something really, uh, you know, uh, you, don't, it, you get the satisfaction. When one thing gets knocked off, you feel, you, whenever you look at that paper, okay, this is gone. Now my target is this. Okay, this is gone. Now my target is this. Again, it's a baby step. It's not like I'm going to pay off all of my loans today or tomorrow or this week. No. It is never possible, you know, it, you have to start somewhere you with that small baby step. That's what the snowball effect methodology is all about. You can research about it, you know, there is a big uh, concept which you'll find it, you know, whenever you do a little research. So something that we can think about it, something probably we can factor in whenever we work our next budget. Yes, no? Yeah. Perfect. Okay, one more thing wherein well, we might go wrong. See, the reason why I'm saying we might go wrong is that we can take the necessary step before we go wrong. Now, this, this comes from methodology wherein um, we might 
think or this is the thought process that comes in that I can afford it. Something that I asked you to do last time, before we create a budget, ask two questions. Is it really necessary for this month? What is the second one? Can I do without it? Are you guys getting it? So let's say I'm preparing the budget for this month, okay? And, uh, and I see a, a list which is, uh, you know, given to me, uh, and it says that I need to buy, uh, let's say, 10 packets of uh, ice cream. Is it really necessary for this month? I'm just giving an example. Okay, is it really necessary for this month? Can I live without it? If the answer is yes, go for it, knock it off. So just because we have an income doesn't mean that we can buy anything and everything that we can see or anything and everything that we can actually hang on. The principles also says that even the rent we pay or even the rent we actually give for the houses that we live should not be more than 25% of your total income. Okay, let's, let's do the math. Okay, this might take time. All right, you can do your math, okay? I'm just setting an example here which you can probably calculate. Uh, if you're paying the rent for the, for the, of course we pay it in month basis, you know, every month basis. So let's say anyone in a, or a family which is paying 10,000 rupees per month, okay? What is the total uh, amount that one would contribute by the end of the year? Sorry? One lakh, 20,000 rupees. Ideally, the person should see what is his total income, okay? Let's say if the person's total income is 12 lakhs, okay? How much we are paying? One lakh, 20,000, okay? How much is one lakh, 20,000 percent of 12 lakhs? 10 percent, pretty good. You know, we're doing really good. This is affordable. This is doable. Imagine if the person's income is 12 lakh rupees and we are paying close to 3 lakh 50,000 a year. Okay, can you do a quickly a math? 3 lakh 50 divided by 12 is? 350 divided by 12 is? Okay, 29.166. So let's say 30,000. 30,000 a month. So what is the percentage if I had to calculate from 12 lakh? 3 lakh 50 divided by 12 lakh is? Come on, help me here. 3 lakh 50 divided by 12 lakh multiplied by 100 is? More than 25. Can you give me the exact percentage? Was that percentage? Okay. So this is the percentage. So if we are paying anything above 25% of our annual income in rent, it's a high risk. Basically, we don't need that big house, in simple words. Or probably we should actually uh, you know, look for a house which is less than that category.
Now the reason why I'm saying rent is the larger part that you contribute anyways, because that's a monthly out payment that you have, I mean, that you eventually make. So factor in just rent accumulating 30%, you have to think about your expenses, utilities, and something that we spoke about, emergency fund as well. So it becomes a huge burden, right? So you can factor in, you can again put your calculation. If you think it's below that, praise God, that's a very good, uh, I, I think most of us are in that category, no doubt, but you know, it depends on person to person and their living choices again. But you know, it's a good figure to actually look in whenever we take a decision to rent a house. Another thing that we can think about is, uh, you know, having a car or having a vehicle. The total uh, value of that vehicle should not be more than 50% of your annual income. Should not be more than 50% of your annual income. For example, 12 lakh is your income, vehicle's value should not be more than 6 lakhs. It should be anything well below 6 lakh. And another thing, if we can pay it off in cash, the best, rather than going into a loan or rather than getting into loan. I understand, again, it's not possible to pay off 6 lakhs at one go, but can we do this, a 50-50 rule, wherein we accumulate 50% in cash and 50% under loan? The burden decreases, yes, no. Do you think this is a practical way of doing things? Are you, I guess, connecting or is just, uh, it's just me who's talking here? Something practically that we can factor in and think about it, right? Something that I spoke about is a rent, which is 25%. Something that I spoke about is a vehicle that we own. It should not be more than 50. The ideal reason why I'm discussing is that so that we don't end up something that we discussed at the start, the pressure of debt pushing us down, right? Okay. We spoke about the budgeting part and uh, uh, with the work situation that we live in today, something that quite often happens is we move from one work to another work. That is generally, that's a transition. Something that we should be also careful when we move from one work to another work is that we should save up at least for three months of expenses. Like I might quit my job today and I have three months to search the new job. But who's gonna pay me for next three months? The full and final settlement doesn't happen the day you leave. It happens after a specific amount of time. So the best thing, if you are factoring in of changing your job, you should ideally think three months or rather six months before ideally I would say, three months to take a decision that you're moving and three months to save enough of cash, enough of liquid cash so that even if you have a struggling phase for next three months, you can still survive, you can still manage it. Is that another doable thing? This is something I learned personally because I didn't plan my transition and I had a really tough time. You know, so see, God is trying to teach me out of this. You know, so it can 
help you not going into a position wherein you have to withdraw excess of credit just to survive for those three months wherein you don't have an income that is coming in. Practical way again. Yeah. Even for students, you know, students, if you are in a transition mode, you know, wherein you see or foresee there is an expense that is coming on, you know, maybe it's a trip which you have to go for your studies. Maybe it's a, a specific purchase that you have to do for your specific studies. You have to plan well in advance, not a day or not a two day before or not a week before the actual thing happens. See how important is understanding a clear idea where we are moving. It will save a lot of us by getting into a position of debt. Amen? All right. Um, so we spoke about the emergencies. We spoke about uh, the necessities and utilities that needs to be factored in. We also spoke about the snowball effect methodology, which means we take off the, 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 the smallest, uh, you know, the debt which is there so that it creates a mentality of focusing on the bigger one once the smaller one is gone. We spoke about the baby step that we have to take in terms of the emergencies that we might foresee. We also saw few figures in terms of the lifestyle that we carry in with the lifestyle that we live in. Something like a rental part, which is not, should not be more than 25% of the total income and the vehicles that we own should not be more than 50% income. Okay. Now let's see what uh, Bible speaks about this. Uh, can we go to the next slide? All right. Matthew 7, chapter 24 and 20, uh, verse 24 and 25. Let's read it together. Anyone who listens to me, sorry, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock, though the rain comes in torrents and the flood water rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Have you ever thought about this verse connecting to finance? Can we connect this from a finance point of view? What is Jesus trying to say? You know, just don't sit and wait for things to happen and then plan. Rather than plan right now because if something happens, you are on a solid rock. Because it says, right, wind beats against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. It's built on a solid rock. What happens to the other people who don't build on a bedrock? But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it's foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the flood comes and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Look at the word crash. Now that is the exact point which will lead us to take a step to be in debt. And that's exactly what God doesn't want us to be. So God is giving us this instruction well in advance saying you have to build your house in 
solid rock bed not on a sandy you know maybe a structure or a, or a, or a area because it's risky because it would lead to a mighty collapse and a mighty crash amen so how important is for us to have a, a mentality of saying that okay i need to think about emergency fund starting today it might not be possible tomorrow onwards it might not be possible by next week but starting this month whenever i have an income i can allocate a small portion for my emergencies because it's an instruction that god is trying to tell us it's not necessary has to be 10% that's something that you know you have to factor in basis on the risk basis on the you know condition or basis on the income and the expenses that you are currently in can you go to the next slide okay this is from ecclesiastes 10:14 they chatter on and on no one really knows what is going to happen no one can predict the future no one can predict the future there are scenarios there are situation which is out of our understanding which can just come with that wind with that energy and which can put us down but you know something like that example that i gave about that uncle he wasn't sure that there is something like that is going to happen but he was well prepared for anything and everything that should come in just because he did the right step he was or rather he is in a better position today not getting under the pressure of debt amen amen do we have another slide all right okay so does it make sense does it make sense okay one more advice or rather one more uh, um uh point you know this is something uh we we uh, we believe and rather like when we were discussing me and penal before coming here we were discussing and you know specifically for uh people who are married uh is to have a clear understanding between the spouses what is your financial condition what is your financial situation see uh you know when we talk about marriage when we talk about family the responsibility is for both the person involved you know be it the father of the house or the mother of the house although you know we portray in the sense that the father leads everything and all those things but in a scenario when it comes to finance both the spouses should be at the same page which means what is my financial condition my spouse should be aware of it and what is her financial condition or the situation i should be aware of it if there is a disconnect in this scenario it would lead to more debt it would lead or it will push more debt coming eventually and probably that study is right in that case most of the divorces that happens across is primarily because of money or finance included because there was no connections right so something something specifically for uh, you know people who are 
married who who are uh, you know in a, in a family environment both of the person involved in should be aware where there exactly is in terms of finance as a whole family amen people who are not married start preparing for it amen people who are looking forward to get married should also prepare for it come on marriage is a big deal right i i know because i recently got married you have to save for your marriage as well you have to save you got to have a plan for your marriage as well you know you cannot expect uh, you know your dad and dad and mom or a family member to contribute everything but you have to responsible to take that opportunity to and work towards it amen if you want advices come to me <laughs> or you can go to any pastor because i'm i'm the recent one so i have more experience fresh in my mind amen man did we learn something something practical something that we can that's what i said it's more like a study you know more than a sermon it's a study that we would do to improve the financial state or financial situation of our financial health basically amen so that's god's finance finance god's way explaining how to live debt free or what are the step which will help us to have minimum or less amount of debt in our daily life amen something that we can do for the rest of uh, the month before we go to the next topic the next topic that we're going to speak is about savings so if you see how we are progressing we understood the introduction what is god trying to explain we understood the importance of budgeting how crucial is to have a budget in place we understood how to have a emergency fund we also understood how do we how can we avoid going under a debt situation now if a person has to save he has to debt he has to be debt free first are you do you understand that if i want to contribute a certain money for let's say a future uh, you know purchase like a house or a vehicle i need to save money but if i'm already under so much of pressure of debt i cannot save so you know you can see the structure how we are going so once we are through debt once we are through debt we'll understand the importance of savings and then we'll understand the importance of giving you know giving is going to be a big uh, you know chapter which i guess we'll divide into two parts but next month we will talk about savings and again practical ways of savings okay how can we save where can we save how much we should save these are the some of the topics that we're going to touch so one thing that you can think about in this whole month is to create something like a snowball effect just just put it on paper and see how does that work and some other things that we spoke about like the rent part and the vehicle part and the emergency fund if we can start or if we can take the baby step this month that's a big thing once we take the small step eventually we would start following it so that's something that we can do as you know as a homework or has a thing to, that need to be done in this whole month and we will pray for those activities or those things that you have decided when we come next time for 
uh, the same finance series uh, week and then we'll move to the next part. Is that okay? Is that good? Something that we can learn? Something that we can actually apply? All right. Can we all rise? We hope you were refreshed and strengthened by the Word of God. If you want to know more about God or have a question you would like to ask or even a prayer request you would like to share, do connect with us at dreamingrevival.com. Be our guest for one of our services here at Bangalore Revival Center on Saturdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 11 a.m.